Hi, I'm Mark Iskowitz, Executive Editor at MMNM, and I want to welcome you all to this week's episode of the MMNM Podcast, during which my intrepid co-host Larry Dobrow, MMNM Senior Editor, and I interview people of note in and around the world of healthcare marketing. Hey, Larry. How you doing? And uh, once again, Mark needs some uh, hot tea for his throat. Please send uh, donations via our uh, Patreon page, which is not set up and is not real. So. Yes, please. And uh, I, I prefer English breakfast tea. Okay. <laughs> uh, and our guest today is Andrew Shermer, CEO of Ogilvy Common Health North America. Hey, Andrew. Hello, Mark. I need to correct you quickly. Yeah. As at the get-go, we <laughs> are now and have been since last fall Ogilvy Health. And I'm sure okay. you'll have some questions about that as we go forward. Yes. Thank you for the correction. Duly noted. I knew the uh, uh, reorganization was in progress, and it's good to see that that is, uh, is completed now. Um, so thanks so much for coming in. We do appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, and thanks to all of you out there for listening. I also want to thank our producers, Carrie Gavin and Mickey Brown. We're live streaming this, and the replay will be posted tomorrow to your podcasting service of choice. So Ogilvy is a, certainly a household name uh, to many in the industry, and uh, we want to speak with Andrew about such topics as the changing agency model. Uh, we'll get Andrew's take on uh, DTC. You know, he was the head of a, a DTC-only or primarily shop back mm -hmm. in the day, um, and uh, other trending topics. Uh, but before that, we're just going to just uh, mention a couple of quick housekeeping items. Uh, next week uh, on the 8th, we have our MMM Transforming Healthcare Conference, which is the venue for the convergence of health tech, payers, providers, and um, technologists, startup community, everybody in between. You name it. Uh, it's going to be all at the Edison Ballroom next Wednesday for one day exploring healthcare's cutting edge. So please join us for that. Uh, following that, we're going to have on June 6th our Hall of Femme Awards also in, in New York City. Uh, which which I'll be a part of. Excellent. Great to see that you're going to be part of that again. You were there last year, which we all enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, we're going to touch on diversity and inclusion as well uh, today. So. Great. Uh, some good topics. Uh, and I should also mention uh, prior to next week's um, Transforming Healthcare Conference, uh, the night before will be the awards uh, for the T40 and the, and the Innovation Catalyst. So uh, a lot of great stuff coming up. That's our story. Uh, <laughs> now we're going to uh, start uh, talking to Andrew a little bit here. I uh, just thought we'd, we'd talk about the changing agency model a little bit uh, first um, and, um, you know, how the larger network um, is, is undergoing uh, some changes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we saw earlier this this uh, this this uh, this year um, that uh, WPP uh, had a little bit of a setback uh, in North America uh, with the earnings and uh, CEO Mark Reed attributed that to a three-year turnaround uh, and that he was you know in the process of uh, changing the model and just wanted to ask, get your take Andrew on how you see that impacting health well uh, thanks Mark and and Larry uh, to both of you thanks for having me as a part of this it's, it's a delight to be here this um, this is such a broad topic, uh, and it's so incredibly complex that the easiest thing for me to do is try to get from the macro to the micro very quickly via our agency's journey. And then you can tell me if you want to go deeper in any direction. But the macro is uh, WPP for uh, over 30 years was an acquisition um, depth and heft model. Be the biggest by buying the other biggest and having the biggest offering on earth and reaping the rewards because of that. What's happened over the last few years and what's happened since Martin's departure is clients are seeking clarity. They're not always seeking heft. They're not always seeking big. They're seeking right. They're seeking connectivity. They're seeking what they actually need. And so Mark Reed's 
fundamental platform is we need to get back to a more clearly defined offering for the entire holding company, and we need each of our agency arms to be doing the same thing. So a big part of his first initiative when he got the keys to the car back last fall was to start taking some of our agencies and saying, well, Y&R is this amazing legacy brand building agency, almost 100 years old, and VML is a relative upstart that has just gotten so good working within the digital ecosystem. And could we put those two together to actually have an incredibly powerful entity unlike any we've had before? And the answer, of course, is yes, based on the year-to-date performance of VML Y&R. The other thing that he looked at was um, a company like Ogilvy, which is a global agency in its own right, but the problem was for many, many years, it had become almost a subholding company itself. So Ogilvy, the original agency founded by David Ogilvy almost 80 years ago, if you looked at a slide of every agency that was owned by Ogilvy, it was a bigger map than WPPs. And a lot of those companies in some of these countries were not even known primarily as an Ogilvy agency. You know, it was the Larry Mark Inc. plus Ogilvy or Larry Mark Ogilvy agency. And this is an incredible legacy of one of the true founders of the modern advertising industry. And so what happened was these two work streams came together. Mark Reed seeking clarity across all of WPP and making big bets on some of the bigger global agencies. Well, for the past two and a half years, John Seifert, who's the global CEO of Ogilvy, has been bringing everything back together under one roof called Ogilvy. (laughs) Simplicity, huh? It seems so, but a radical departure from the past. So now when you take that all the way to the final part of your question, Mark, what does that mean for health? Well, what that means for health, as far as our agency is concerned, is we're no longer Ogilvy Common Health, the agency that before that was known as Common Health and before that Thomas G. Ferguson Associates, a privately held company at the time out in Parsippany, New Jersey, we become the health practice of one of the premier global agencies on earth. So for clients, that means an incredible diversity of service through a single portal. And for a lot of the procurement folks we talk to, a lot of the brand marketing management people we talk to, that's what they're looking for. They don't want to walk into a holding company and it's like the dollar store where they got to wander around and find what they need. They need a concierge service where there's one person at the desk saying, how can I help you, sir? And that's what I think we're, we're aiming towards. Um, When you first started having those conversations, um, tell tell me a little bit about how they evolved and tell me a little bit about how it has forced the company to maybe think a little bit differently, whether it's in terms of philosophy, in terms of practical thinking and everything else. Walk walk us through that kind of gradual change. The the past – so – you know, I've been doing some fashion of this now for about 34 years. And we've, we've seen these ebbs and flows. We see these S-curves and things happen and then they're all of a sudden yesterday's news. And what we did see over the last 20 years is this deep level of customization and a lot of agencies spinning off things that fitted the needs of clients. Oh, we've got to, you need med ed, we'll do this. You need digital, we do this. And what happened is everything got so fractionalized that clients were starting to buy that way. And so they were starting to, you know, the procurement people would go out and say, well, we need our digital procurement to go buy our banner ad agencies. 
And then, oh, we're going to need someone else completely to go talk to our medical education or the KOL guys upstream or payer access. That's a whole. Well, that starts to add a, another layer of complexity in the buyer side. And so the conversation I was in over the last 20 years is, can't you guys get your act together? <laughs> like, we would rather have you responsible for a bunch of entities and, and, and talent that swarms around our business with, and it's an old phrase I use, it's old, but it makes sense, with one throat to choke. <laughs> uh, and oftentimes I'm that throat. But it's simple notion of you've got a lot of resources that you can bring to bear on my business. I'd like you to do the organization and air traffic control. I don't want to do that. I want to manage my business and my brand. And part of what I do is marketing. I need you to manage all the resources. And so we hear that more and more and more. And what happened in the WPP situation is the clients were saying, no, 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 I don't necessarily need the biggest of everything. I just need what I need. And so you could look at that on a continuum from huge agency that owns everything or individual mom and pop, two guys and a dog that can do a specific thing you need to buy. And neither is ideal. And I really think we're starting to settle in this place in the middle that actually says there are going to be a handful of significant players that can do about everything and then satellites around them of some of the independents that are specifically good on specific aspects of this business and can still adhere to a need to buy individual um, you know, aspects of the, of the Marcom offer. Uh, based on what you're saying, I imagine that when you took this to clients, the reaction was like, Good. Let's do it. Um, was anybody? Was there any pushback? Were there any concerns? And if so, how were they voiced? Great, great question. Uh, remarkably for us, and and you know, I'm I'm old friends with Becky Chittister and and Howard Cordemach, and I I I am deep colleagues with all of the other fellow travelers in health within WPP. The fundamental difference when we move from the WPP health and wellness construct back into our global agencies is we're moving back into the agency whose name we already had. We were a JV in 2008, and we've been acting as an Ogilvy agency right up until Martin decided to put these together in health and wellness. So for a lot of our clients, Larry, when we said, big news, we're Ogilvy now, they said, thought you always were. What's the big news here? And oh, so, nothing. We just want to say hi. And yeah, so what, what we did is basically we, we kind of um, – we did a basic sort and we figured out how we need to talk to different partners, clients uh, uh, differently. And so some were, you know, this they're, they're, they like the inside baseball. They like to know what happened. Who's so who's in charge? Who's your new boss? For others, we simply said we've always been connected to Ogilvy because of the JV done in 08, um, because of the global network we built. We're back to being fully Ogilvy now. And ultimately, John Seifert says to me, you're part of the family and you're sitting at the kitchen, you know, at the big table now. So we truly feel that way. For the clients that truly understand the, the journey, I think what a lot of them are saying is it's about time. That's better for both of us. And we're really happy to see it. Um, in terms of what this means for health, um, I mean, it seems that there's almost a new not a new, a new is the wrong word, but, you know, an increasing preeminence for health. I mean, you're, you know, health's at the table. You know, it's one area where I think everybody agrees, you know, the growth is still to come. Yeah. Um, how, I guess, gratifying is that for, you know, the Ogilvy team that's been working, you know, and doing the work on this for, you know, years without kind of having that preeminent place? Well, it's a tricky question to answer, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, 
this was the third time in my career I've taken a healthcare agency and helped move it into the main agency. Um, so I've seen this movie before. Um, when when I started at McCann, and Mark, you remember the days, there was um, there was Reed and Campbell Ward, there was Tory Laser, there was McCann New York, and Never the Twain Shall Meet. Uh, and I was involved with a group of leaders starting in the early 2000s that said, that doesn't make sense. And if you, you know, as you well know today, it's McCann Health, very much a pillar of McCann World Group. No more so, fiefdoms, no more anything in between. You know, so I've seen this happen at other agencies, and I've been one of the driving um, motivators to make that happen. The gratifying part comes, yes, indeed, but I remember uh, it was probably eight to ten years ago when um, I was managing brands like Lunesta uh, and Viagra and some of the biggest DTC spenders ever. And there was one year where of television advertising categories, the fourth largest category in television advertising broadcast was pharma. And that was a milestone. That was an absolute milestone. And then, of course, the DTC spend, you know, while it's maintained, it's never going to be like that again because there's so many other channels and other opportunities. But what's happening now is a new force, which is it's not just about health care anymore, which is what agencies like Common Health and Tory Laser and Regan Campbell Ward grew up on. It's, it's a broader continuum from health care or all the way from sick care to wellness, to lifestyle, and to everything else you guys. I, I mean, I heard uh, the, the interview with uh, the fella uh, Dudnyak, you know, and he was making the, the discussing around the, the idea of pillows and sleep health and mattresses. Well, that area is burgeoning because everyone understands two macro forces. Um, healthcare costs are in many ways being driven to the end patient consumer. And um, everyone's understanding that preventative care is a lot cheaper than curative care. Uh, and so what you're seeing is those two macro dynamics creating a category that's always been around, but it's now bigger than ever. And wellness is now connecting to basic consumer brands you would never think of as wellness brands. And more importantly for us, it's expanding the, the continuum between what we traditionally see as healthcare products and services to now what is becoming part of this emerging wellness field. And what I find fascinating is not necessarily picking what part of the continuum we want to work in, but having an offering that covers the entire thing. Hmm. So you, we're on the subject of DTC, so I might as well stay there for a moment. Um, in our, our most recent issue, the April issue, the media issue, uh, we reported that... Uh, um, the TV spend uh, had, has risen a staggering 65% over the past five years um, and 9% year-on-year in 2018 uh, compared to 2017 um, by pharma, yeah. uh, which um, you know kind of um, throws um, a wrench in the old uh, apocalyptic TV advertising is dead narrative. <laughs> yes. um, but besides that fact, as you mentioned, the, the emerging you know, health and wellness space, uh, do, do you see this uh, greater spend reflected in a greater array of, of clients uh, for, for Ogilvy Health, uh, or is it, is it mainly just pharma kind of advertising in the DTC sphere? And you know how, is, how are things comparing these days versus the days when you were commandeering the Lunesta yeah. ad budget back in the <laughs> yeah. day? Well, look, I, I, as I said, I don't know that we'll, we'll get to those levels. I think there was one year where at McCann, uh, I made the point that, that that year Lunesta spent more in television than um, McCann client Microsoft did. McCann client wow. um, Intel did and McCann client um, MasterCard did. 
So the, 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 I, think the, I think it was something like $345 million in a single year spent for Lunesta. So I, I don't think we'll see those numbers again. What the, 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 the truth, though, and I can say this with great confidence because I happen to be dead smack in the middle of the cohort that most DTC advertising is going after, uh, and, and baby boomers still watch a lot of TV. Um, and that's just the truth. So because you're able to actually target your, your, your demo and psychographics way better than you used to, you're able to spend more effectively even in a broadcast channel. And there's plenty of clients that have come to us saying, um, in the old days, I don't think we'd ever be considering a TV campaign for our brand. You know, oncology and some of these uh, smaller patient um, you know, uh, you know, audiences, but because you can pinpoint even the broadcast messaging to the right person at the right time, it's starting to make sense. And when you have people who are in a lean back position because they're either not aware of what they're dealing with physically or they're dealing with something like oncology where they're basically relying on their healthcare professional because what do they know? If you can get to either of those folks with messaging that is giving them information giving them tools to have a deeper discussion with their physician, that's a good thing. <clears throat> that's a good thing for all, all, all involved. And the targeting is so much better than it has ever been. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, we, we see um, over-the-top uh, types of spend uh, increasing as well, or, you know, some um, you know, rumblings that that's, you know, some money is Well, and Mark, the other thing, well. if we go year on year, if you guys mm -hmm. ever, and you guys have the data, she could probably do this. I think what you also see, and sometimes it's hard to, to really track this, but Oftentimes, the pitches and sways and DTC spend are coming from three to four products. Mm -hmm, yeah. So you literally, I mean, some of these, you, yeah. know, you, you get a Humera, you get a brand out there that is willing to spend significantly. You, you put eight of those together, you're getting close to that four or five million, dumb, you know, billion right, dumb right. number we have. So, so there is the reality that this is not a category like hotels or finance or fast food where, where everyone's taking a slice of the pie. These are a handful of sure. significant spenders sure. that know that they have an opportunity to reach the right audience at the right time and make a difference. Namely, uh, smoking cessation drug Chantix at $209 million, uh, and almost $150 million on RA treatment Zelgens. Uh, and then you had um, Eli Lilly spending $517 million, including $243 million promoting Trulicity, the diabetes drug. Yeah, that's massive. Uh, AbbVie, Amgen, and AstraZeneca rounding out the top five spenders. There you go. Nielsen. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's consolidated in, in a handful of players. That's right. Um, and... Um, but um, you know, do, do you see this changing anytime soon? Do you see, see this reliance on on TV? Um, you know, kind of. Uh, you know, changing? I I don't think it all of a sudden hits a wall, and I don't think it fades quickly. I, I think it's going to track with a couple things. First of all, um, aging population, because the, the younger folks coming up uh, have different media habits. Now, if they all start watching NB MSNBC and start being political knuckleheads and start doing that at hours on end, they're going to see their share of DTC. Uh, if, if some of the 20s, 30s, and 40-year-olds now decide that they never want to engage in TV and they'll do everything you know, uh, you know, as you know, no commercials involved because they can do it on their, you know, iPad in bed. Well, then uh, it will start to fade somewhat and there will be different cha uh, channels available. But what won't go away is the, um, the immersive quality of video. 
Um, so I think even, you know, a great example is that new, uh, there's a feature documentary about people living with diabetes. Yes. That um, screened last week at uh, yeah. the film festival. Touch of Sugar. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So so that's, a, that's an interesting move to say, well, where are the eyeballs? Where are you capturing people? And that's a different form yeah. of creating content yeah. that will, so I, I think you'll see that move as well. Mm-hmm. And then the last macro chen, uh, trend is what happens to TV at all? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's mm-hmm. the other really unknown. Everything is changing so significantly that does there come a time where there's no local box anymore and people are all individuals screened or you've got it in your glasses or in the back of your neck? I don't know. I want a microchip myself. The microchip, yeah. Low jack for people, yeah. I like to say. You will never get lost. <laughs> right. I mean, you have a creative background. What do you think of the, I mean, this is asking you to paint with a very broad brush, mm-hmm. but um, when you look at some of the you know most aired ads, um, what do you think of the state of DTC Creative on television right now? Is it good? Is it different? Is it, you know, worse? What, what's yeah, your it, big it, picture it, take? Boy, it's a, it's a, that's the toughest question I've ever been able to answer. And, and I'll, I'll try to explain why. Um, there's plenty of pundits in, in creativity, uh, whether they're, you know, my wife or my boss, right? Everyone's got an opinion. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of old school. You can tell me what's good or bad, but if it works, I kind of tend to think it's good um, because uh, I'd, I'd be living in a basement with an easel and a pallet if, if I just wanted to be an artist for pure art. We're in the commerce business. Um, there is the risk that so much of it to this day still feels similar to each other that there's a risk that it's easy to ignore. Um but there's some bright spots, you know, there's, I, I, I'm getting a little bit tired of the, of the, you know, classic rock, you know, soundtrack with either messing around with the lyrics or just having it there anyway, because that's you, remember, you were a teenager when you didn't have to take drugs. Jethro uh, Tull on the radio. Man. Yeah, so, so there, there's some of that that I think, you know, it, it can be cringeworthy, right, to the overall audience. But let's not forget. I don't care about the overall audience. If if the people I need to get motivated, convert, interested, having a good discussion with their doctor, if they say, well, you know, I'm just sitting at home minding my own business, and then this frick, I hear Jethro Tall, I love Jethro Tall, and I start getting information about something that actually really I think I have, and I'm going to go see my doctor about this, well, then maybe you did a good thing. So it's hard to judge based on looking at advertising as an art form. I do think we have to be careful that it, we don't get into such formulaic responses that it's easy to start to create the blending. So I don't know if, was that a diabetes? I don't know. It could have been, or was it oncology? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it was an HR. I don't know. So I think we've got to be very good about making sure that our messaging is is unique enough that people are getting our message and not, I saw another DTC spot. Yeah, we've, we've noticed a lot of uh, spots being set in kitchens, you know, in the couples downstairs and the kid comes down wearing the earphones i mean you know and there's more salad being eaten right now in dtc i mean the 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 craft service table must be absolutely void of, of lettuce at this point <laughs> more sandwiches for somebody else That's, i suppose that right? must be true but yeah there there's some there's some models and i and i think and i've been involved fortunately over the years with some with some things that have broken the mold and and oftentimes that does come by by having a client that's willing to say yeah you know we're back on my chantix stage you know we we need to tell the story about not take chantix it'll help you smoke quitting but we need to be honest with people that want to quit really want to quit and they're not going to quit the first time and it's going to take a while and it's a journey. And so we had Aesop's fables with the hare and the tortoise. And obviously, you know who wins that race. 
but in you know I think it's ironic now that they are using a turkey. Um, but back in those days, it was complete breakthrough. You know, because people were used to seeing DTC was the the people that look like me running along the beach or cooking in the kitchen. All of a sudden, you had a story that was told in the form of a fable that everyone know the answer already. It was a wonderful way uh, to craft a message and a brand that was absolutely different than anything else at the time. Right, so there's always right. that just creative need to distinguish. But I would be careful with any of the punditry that says, I didn't like it, so it's no good. It may be the best working commercial that client has ever done. And uh, I would argue that it's becoming more sophisticated in terms of, you know, half of the people that may have viewed that chanting spot might not have been on the, on the stage where they were ready to change, That's perhaps. Right. And now with all the, the behavioral science understanding being infused into healthcare marketing, we're kind of fine-tuning where we're, you know, targeting uh, and developing different ads depending on where they are. In the and helping of along that path. That's right. Helping them along that path and delivering that through different mechanisms. It could be an app. It could be digital uh, some, something. That's right. Other, that, that, uh, that's so. a great point, Mark. But the delivery from the client and agency side is now becoming as much about utility as it is about message. And that's mm -hmm. exciting. Right. Yeah, yeah, I do believe. Great. So let's switch gears again, if if you don't mind. Sure. Um, Shireen Gerges, uh, yes. as you know well, yes. um, was the a, a, a platinum award winner at our last awards. Um, she was uh, as a UNICEF commu communication specialist. She worked on both polio and efforts to contain the recent Ebola outbreak. And she reminded us that uh, it was good old-fashioned healthcare marketing insight uh, that provided a turning point in the war on polio. Um, and that was provided while you were at uh, your former yep. uh, shop, McCann yep. Health. Um, do you see um, this becoming um, more reflected in agencies uh, in terms of them redefining uh, uh, what they, how they view philanthropic work? Are they taking on more public health work? How, how is that shaping? Yeah, it is. It is happening. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, not as quickly as I would hope. Um, you know, we built the global health practice over five or six years uh, as a pure startup within within McCann Health. Um, and it took us a very long time to penetrate organizations like US, uh, USAID and the Gates Foundation and UNICEF, where I met Shireen. Um, I do think agencies are doing it, but I think it's more one-off. Uh, we, we took almost a year to get on the uh, UNICEF global roster so that we could be available for, for bids. Um, I can tell you this, when I started a year ago at now Ogilvy Health, uh, everyone said to me, when can we start doing some of that great global health stuff you were doing in your old job? Mm -hmm. And we have started to engage with some folks I can't talk about yet because they're kind of nascent, <clears throat> but we are trying to get ourselves involved in doing that kind of work, not only because it's the right thing to do, not only because that um, area of the world, the, the public health communications needs uh, professional guidance and talent and creativity, <clears throat> but also because the worlds are converging. You know, we 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 had the opportunity recently to pitch for a, a, a dengue vaccine. You know, it, well, I've done work in dengue around the world. We we've got an opportunity to start to see how the biopharma industry, the broader wellness industry, can actually start to truly affect some of these global health problems we have, especially in the developing world. So I definitely see it as an opportunity for all of us running agencies, and certainly for myself, and I've been regrettably a little slow to really start building 
those kinds of opportunities um, at Ogilvy, but I've got, you know, some 500 people that are ready and willing and want to tear into the stuff as soon as we can get it going. Sure. Yeah. And um, Shireen reminded everybody during her speech, you know, there's there's no drug uh, or medicine that can change human behavior. Yeah. And so that's where healthcare communications comes in. And, you know, speaking of that, you have the measles outbreak, which is kind of a good uh, example of that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it might be a little bit of a coarse example. I apologize. Yeah. But you know, there's, I know it's a complicated issue. Yeah. But, um, you know, in fact, M&M is running a contest right now. Another I'm shameless plug uh, for, uh, you know, c- uh, convince me to Mac, con- convince me to Vax. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the voting is starting actually uh, tonight for that. Uh, and we got a lot of good submissions. That's great. Uh, so, um, but, um, you know, it's people that determine, you know, who stop or spread disease. Oh, that's right. So um, that's know, it's, right. It's, it's really a real opportunity. You know, well, and that's the other point of convergence, because so much about the uh, polio thing, Uh, the polio effort was about social norms and people believing in one thing, but thinking other people believe something else. When in truth, you actually had a similar belief. You just didn't realize that. So rather than telling you, uh, well, polio is terrible and your kid's going to be crippled or this vaccine keeps polio away. What we actually had to do is say, do you know your neighbor lets the vaccinators in and take care of their kids? Because we're all in this together. They got to take care of your, their kids so they don't affect your kids and so on and so forth. And I see the opportunity to connect some of those fundamental behavioralist realities to some of the high tech HCP work we do to some of the patient consumer work we do. The, the, it's very relevant. The, the idea of, you know, pushing against the millennial, you know, um, not millennial as in young people, but rather the reptilian in mind we've had since we, you know, came out of the primordial ooze uh, hasn't changed that much. The world changes rapidly around us, but human, mm-hmm. you know, motivation and what we're scared of and what gets us off the, the mat, those things are, are, are tried and true. And we need to do a better job of applying some of those real fundamentals to the marketing and advertising work we're doing, no matter what the context or, or category. Absolutely. You know, 40, 50 years ago, when we were just kind of coming off the polio, um, you know, eradication efforts or, uh, you know, that we just kind of were getting that started. Measles didn't seem like a, a real big deal, but, you know, now, you know, fast forward uh, several decades and we know better. Yeah. Um, so uh, how about we switch gears once again and talk a little bit about diversity and inclusion? Great. Um, so we've got our, uh, you know, the Hall of Femme event we mentioned coming up next month um, and um, uh, on June 6th. And I know that, uh, you know, that that's a big you know deal for you. Yep. Uh, you know, and t- talk about how you see diversity and inclusion kind of spreading and taking root in, in this industry. Yeah, I, w- I will do so. Um, first of all, I think it is and I think healthcare is out in front and I think has been for a while. And uh, the, uh, the healthcare business uh, Women's Association, I think uh, I might have mangled that acronym, but I think they've done a phenomenal job for years. Um, uh, I I grew up with three sisters. Uh, When I got out of school and lived as a single guy out in the hinterlands of New Jersey, I had three female roommates in a beat-up rental house, uh, and I am uh, happily married for almost 29 years, and I have two grown daughters. So I've lived with three women my whole life. Um, I... I understand not just the power of women, which I believe in, in incredibly in, but rather the power of diversity and different points of view. Um, and I do think that we have the ability in this uh, industry because so much of healthcare is not only managed by the CEO of Homes 
women, um, but also uh, more and more of the actual professionals are female as well. Um, so we've got to reflect our, our audience in terms of diversity. But we also have to understand that, um, we're, that there's a maybe a bit of retribution in terms of the way the Mad Men era and how we've come to where we are now. There's just some bad things that have happened over the years in our industry, and we need to move past them. Um, and I think ultimately women and men manage their lives differently, manage themselves differently, and manage business differently. And I think that's great because I'm not sure if one's better than the other, and I don't think it matters. I think diversity of thought is what's needed. Mm. When I got, when I was competing with Ogilvy, I used to say, wow, I'm pretty sure that their leadership is six dudes and one woman. Um, and I didn't think much about it except for that seemed like an imbalance. Uh, and I started a year ago, and by mid-year, um, we had shifted that to an executive leadership team that is now four women and three men. So I also believe firmly in um, if you believe in something, then do something about it. If you have a point of view as it relates to, to leadership positions, put women in them. And I did that within the first six months of taking over the new gig. And it was not just a message. It's what I believe in. And I actually be, believe the agency is being led and is functioning more um, uh, positively because of that. No mm. question, it's made an incredible difference in how we work. Mm -hmm. There it is. Um, the, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting uh, or heartening to hear, you know, the, the changes that you made. Uh, some people have said that um, uh, gender diversity was kind of like the low-hanging fruit and the next frontier is more racial and ethnic diversity. Yep. How, how is that panning out? Uh, in, in the it it is uh, absolutely of the same uh, cloth. Um, what, no question that what I've seen is... Um, there was a great book, The uh, Medici Effect, and it was written about the Medici family that believed in bringing in all kinds of different points of view and artisans and putting them together and seeing the magic that would ensue. And that was very different than a lot of the monolithic thought that was happening in that era. I continue to see that some of the most interesting thinking comes from people who are radically different than who you are. And it's something I love about this business. But I also understand that it has been a predominantly white man business for decades. Uh, we have one, a, a big office in New York and a big office in New Jersey. It's a little easier to get more diverse younger people and more diverse candidates into our agency in New York currently than New Jersey, but we're working on it. But most importantly, what we're doing is going to the source of talent. So where are we doing our college recruiting? Make a decision. Go to some of the predominantly black colleges. Where are we getting our summer interns from? Make a decision. Yeah. How do you source your talent? The, the, the idea is in order to get a, a more just and balanced and diverse um, uh, work staff, you can't simply go to the same places where you've always gotten talent before. The effort needs to be going outside of those to get the talent and then let people sink or swim based on their ability. Because I'm a firm believer in that I don't care what color, how tall, or what. It's about performance, and it's about how you behave. And, and so what we believe is starting to source talent that is more diverse from the get-go is going to allow us to build the workforce of tomorrow that better matches the population at large. Absolutely. Population we serve. Yep. Great. We ready for the lightning round? Ready for the lightning round. Okay, this is the uh, kind of quick hit questions that uh, we try to uh, bug you with, embarrass you with, everything else. <laughs> uh, one of them actually sort of came up when we were talking about your background in creative. Mm. Um, you know, certainly you have a wonderful legacy on that side. Um, you have a wonderful legacy as a leader of agencies. What do you like better? 
Uh, both. <laughs> um, this is a simple answer. I've never stopped being a creative. I simply don't do it as a line item role. Um, but you, I, I, you know, ask anyone that works at the agency, and I'll be the guy right before the presentation saying, "Logo is not centered." Uh, I never <laughs> lost the aesthetic connectivity to the product and the craft, and I have a great respect for people that, for the better part of my career, simply have done that better than I. So I've I've done other things to compensate for the fact that they're better creative directors than I ever was. I like that. I, you have an aesthetic connection, but you recognize that other people do it better. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, within the agency world, whether it's a holding company owned or independent or anything else, um, who are some other companies that you look at and say, hey, they've been doing some interesting stuff recently? Well, I, I, I look at my old agency with both uh, fondness and anonymity. Um, uh, McCann, I, I think McCann continues to bring it. And I think they've got an inordinate amount of talent. And I'm proud to say I was there helping build that for 15 years. I think Evoke uh, does some nice work. I think Click does some nice work. Uh, you know, my pal Jonathan Isaacs over at TVWA Health World is making some noise, as he will make anywhere he goes, uh, <laughs> because he's that good and that loud. But I think you've seen some interesting work coming out of there. Last two years, especially. Last two years. And then I, I love a lot of the work. Becky and her crew do at Wonderman and and VML and, and YNR, uh, you know, are bringing it as well. So I think there's a bunch of agencies doing really good work. Unfortunately, unless I'm, you know, helping you guys judge or something like that, I don't get to see all of it all the time. I'm acutely focused on our own work. Um, but I wouldn't say, you know, I don't have to worry about the competition. I do every day because there's a lot of good work going on out there. And a lot of people trying things that are new and different. And for the past five years I've gone to Cannes, I've seen evidence of that um, in, in every aspect. Okay. Um, based on the fact, you know, this, uh, what you just answered might actually diminish this next question, but I'll throw it at you anyway. Um, what's a recent piece of healthcare or pharma marketing that jumped out at you? It was like, hey, this is smart, this is good, this is different, cool, innovative, or anything along those lines? Um, I got to tell you, I already mentioned it. I, I think Antics, that, huh? that movie. Oh, the movie, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really do. I, I think this is a great nexus of public need entertainment, humanity, and marketing, all converging into something that I think is going to get a lot of eyeballs. And I think it's going to have people feeling differently about healthcare communications in general because of the blending as we get into potentially, you know, where Disney started, you know, 50 years ago with infotainment. And the idea that I, I like to say, you all, rem all remember the great classes you had in high school or college. It wasn't about the subject matter. It was about the prof the teacher that engaged you first before they could ever teach you. And I think as practitioners, that's what we need to be doing. And I have a feeling a move like this will indeed engage and then teach simultaneously. I mean, judging by the early response to it, it's having that exact effect on the uh, on people who have seen it. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Great, great. So, um, well, as always, Andrew, we thank you for your candor. And uh, this has been thank a, a very wide-ranging uh, discussion, so thank, thanks again for coming in. Absolutely. Well, Sweet. pleasure to be here, guys. Thanks so much for doing this and having me as a part of it. Absolutely. And um, I, uh, I think that'll, that'll do it for, for today's uh, edition. Um, this is Mark Iskowitz for Larry Dobrow and Carrie Gavitt and Mickey Brown uh, signing off. We'll see you next time on the MMM Podcast, broadcasting live from next week's Transforming Healthcare Conference. See you, everybody.